from here in the Holy Land. Welcome to the Nourish Your Biblical Roots podcast. I'm your host, Yael Eckstein, President and CEO of the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews. Each week, we'll explore the Jewish roots of your Christian faith and nourish those roots with inspirational insights and ancient teachings that are so relevant to our lives today. Let's get started. On today's podcast, we're going to talk about Yom HaShoah, Israel's Holocaust Memorial Day, which will be observed later this week. Every year, we remember the six million Jews who were murdered in the Holocaust. But as the years go by, it's becoming more and more important that we also remember the lessons that we can learn from that dark time in history. If you're interested in hearing more about the importance of remembering the Holocaust, please listen to my conversation with Alicia Weisel, son of Elie Weisel, a Nobel Prize recipient and perhaps one of the most renowned Holocaust survivors, whose book Night tells of his harrowing survival from the Nazis' death camps. I'll post the link in the show notes. This year, we have an added reason to remember those lessons. In the last few months, we witnessed the greatest amount of suffering in Europe since World War II. And if you're like me, it's been difficult and heartbreaking to watch. So on this episode, we're going to look at two lessons from the Holocaust that can give us some encouragement and guidance during these very difficult times. We'll start with a verse in Leviticus, which has taken on new meaning since the times of the Holocaust, and we'll discover what each one of us can do to take the lessons of the past and create a better future. Every week, Jews around the world read and study the same Torah portion known as the Parsha. This week's Parsha is called Acharei Mot, and it covers chapters 16 through 18 in the book of Leviticus. The Hebrew name of the Parsha, Acharei Mot, literally translates to after the death. And the name is taken from the first verse of this week's reading. This is what we read in Leviticus 16.1. The Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron who died when they approached the Lord. In Leviticus chapter 10, we learned that Aaron's two sons died when they brought an unauthorized offering in the tabernacle. This verse tells us that after that terrible incident, God gave instructions to Moses about when and how the priests should approach God so that they wouldn't suffer the same fate as Aaron's sons did. But there are no coincidences in life, and since this Parsha always falls out around Yom HaShoah, Israel Holocaust Remembrance Day, many people see the name of this week's Parsha, After the Death, as an allusion to the six million Jews who were murdered in the Holocaust. Now, you may be familiar with the International Holocaust Remembrance Day, which has been observed on January 27th since 2005. But Israel instituted this National Day of Remembrance back in 1951. They chose the 27th day of the Hebrew month of Nisan so that the day would always fall out about one week after Passover and one week before Yom Ha'atzma'ut, which is Israel's Independence Day. This year, Yom HaShoah falls on Thursday, April 28th, and like every year, it will be a somber day in Israel. Cafes and theaters will be closed and only Holocaust-related programs will be on television and radio. 
At 10 o'clock in the morning, a two-minute siren will sound across the country, and everyone, everywhere, will stop whatever they are doing. The entire country, with the siren blasting in the background, will stop, will pause. Cars will pull over to the side of the road or stop in the middle of busy highways, and we will hold a nationwide two minutes of silence in memory of the victims of the Holocaust. It's really incredible to see and experience. For me and my family, Yom HaShoah is deeply personal. My grandfather on my mother's side was a Holocaust survivor, and most of his extended family was wiped out by the Nazis. I grew up hearing his stories and wondering how many cousins I might have had if that part of my family hadn't been destroyed. And my father-in-law was a Holocaust survivor too. His experience shaped his life and of course deeply influenced my husband's life as well. My children are growing up in the light of the rebirth of the state of Israel. Praise God. But we can't deny that we are also living in the shadow of the Holocaust. On Yom HaShoah, we recognize that the times we live in are acharemot, are after the death of so many of our people. We live in the shadow of the valley of death. And just as our verse tells us that God spoke to Moses after the tragic death of Aaron's sons, God is speaking to us today after the tragic death of so many Jews. He has important lessons for us that we need to learn. The Jewish approach to tragedy has never been to ask why, why such a thing happened, or why God let it happen. Those are questions that we will never be able to answer. Instead, we ask the question, what? What can we learn from the past? And what can we do better now and in the future? There are so many lessons that we can take from the Holocaust, but today I want to focus on the two lessons that speak most to my heart right now in the context of everything going on in our world today, and I think they're going to resonate with you as well. The first lesson, one that I'm thinking about a lot these days, is the value of every single life and the importance of saving even just one life. There's a famous Jewish saying, He who saves one life saves an entire world. Have you ever heard that? It was made famous by the movie Schindler's List, a movie about Oskar Schindler, a German industrialist who saved over 1,100 Jews by buying them as workers for his factory. There's a dramatic scene at the end of the movie when Schindler is forced to flee because the Nazis are after him. But just before he leaves, his Jewish workers present him with a gift, a gold ring made from the gold teeth of a few grateful Jews with the words from the Talmud inscribed on it. He who saves one life saves an entire world. Schindler looks around at the people he saved and he says regretfully, I could have done more. The workers try to console him and they say, you have done so much. But Schindler says, I wasted so much money. Meaning the money he spent on fancy cars and luxuries could have been spent saving more lives. The Jewish workers say back to him, 1,100 people are alive because of you generations will be born because of you. Oscar Schindler had a moment of clarity. 
He realized how meaningless the things he bought were compared to the value of the lives he could have saved. And I think that's one important lesson that we can learn from him, that saving lives should be a priority to all of us. But we can also learn a lesson from what his Jewish workers said to him, that even if we save or help to save only one life, it's as though we saved an entire world. Of course, we want to save everyone, but we should never underestimate the importance and impact of saving even just one life. Let me tell you the context of this teaching from the Talmud. It appears in a discussion about why God started the world with just one person, when he could have just as easily created 20 people or 20 million people. The Talmud explains that God began the world with just Adam, just one person, in order to teach us that the whole world came from one person. Therefore, to kill one person is to kill an entire world. And on the contrary, to save one life is to save an entire world. A few years ago, I saw an amazing photo that went viral on the internet that really demonstrated this idea powerfully. It was a photo of a woman named Shoshana Ovitz on her 104th birthday. Shoshana was a survivor of Auschwitz, one of the worst Nazi concentration camps. For her birthday, she requested that all of her descendants, her four children, her grandchildren, and her great-grandchildren join her at the Western Wall in Jerusalem. The photo that went viral was Shoshana and her descendants in front of the Western Wall because there were over 400 of them. It was a testimony to the triumph of the Jewish people over the Nazis. But it also demonstrated the truth that if we save someone, we aren't just saving one person. We are saving future generations, hundreds, thousands of them. Over the last few decades, there have been many reunions between righteous Gentiles, those who risked their lives to save Jews during the Holocaust, and the people that they saved. And what makes these reunions so powerful is that most of the time, the Holocaust survivors bring their children and grandchildren and even great-grandchildren with them. I can't even imagine the emotions of those righteous men and women when they see with their own eyes how they didn't just save one or two people. They saved a world of people. And one more thing. Even if one person's life was saved and that person never had any children or grandchildren, like so many of the Holocaust survivors that the fellowship takes care of today, to God, each person is an entire world. To God, they are as valuable as an entire world. And that's why they should be that valuable to us too. We need to take this lesson and apply it to our lives today. We need to make saving lives a priority. We need to stretch further and open up our hearts wider to do whatever is in our power to help save lives. And at that same time, we can also take real deep comfort in knowing that while we can't save everybody, although I really wish we could, and sometimes I stay up all night hoping that I could, every person that we are able to save is a whole world. I'm so grateful that the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews has been able to save thousands of lives just during this recent conflict in Ukraine. 
And it's only possible because of our dedicated staff and very generous supporters who value every single life. We've moved mountains to save lives and sometimes just to save one life. The second lesson from the Holocaust that's on my heart today is the power of just one person to have a huge impact on the world. There are so many stories from the Holocaust about individuals who are able to save many lives in spite of the difficulties and the threats to their own lives. They were the light inside of the darkness. I'm going to share just one of those stories with you, but if you want to read about more heroes of the Holocaust, I invite you to check out the Fellowship's website where we tell stories of brave men and women each week. You can also listen to some of their stories on our daily radio program, Holy Land Moments, which is heard on Christian radio stations around the world. They are so inspiring. The story that I want to tell you now is about a man named Nicholas Winton. In December of 1938, Nicholas was just a young stockbroker in London. He was about to go on a skiing vacation when a friend asked him to come to Czechoslovakia to help out with what he called an interesting project. Nicholas canceled his vacation and went to Prague, where his friend showed him what was happening to Jews there. By that time, the Jews had already been forced out of their homes. They were living in terrible conditions, in refugee camps, and it was clear that things were about to get a lot worse. So Nicholas decided that he had to help in whatever way he could. He realized that it would be impossible to get the Jewish adults to safety, but that maybe he could find a way to smuggle out the Jewish children. He rented a room in a hotel to serve as a makeshift office. And he spoke to hundreds of parents who were desperate to give him their children, who they knew without him would probably die. Nicholas was the best chance that at least their children would survive whatever was coming, even if the parents would be killed. Nicholas returned to London and he immediately got to work. He had no experience that made him qualified to rescue anyone, but he was determined to make it happen. Eventually, he came up with a plan that involved a cover story and forged papers, and he lined up families in London to take in every Jewish child. It was a risky, dangerous mission, but ultimately, Nicholas Winton rescued 669 children from almost certain death. No one knew about Nicholas's heroism and bravery, not even his family, until 1988 when his wife stumbled upon a notebook in their attic. And you know what was inside that notebook? The names and photos of hundreds of children. That discovery led to a series of events, and eventually the notebook ended up in the hands of BBC. They invited Nicholas to be on a TV show called That's Life to be recognized for his amazing work. But what he didn't know was that BBC had tracked down hundreds of those children from the notebook, the children that Nicholas had saved, and many of them would be sitting in the studio audience all around him. In a very dramatic and emotional moment, the show's host asked anyone sitting in the audience who owed their life to Nicholas Winton to please rise. And all around Nicholas, people stood up. Nicholas looked to his right. He looked to his left. And he saw dozens of people standing 
and looking at him with tears in their eyes. And he started to cry too. There in front of his eyes, all around him were the grown up children that he had saved. All around him, he saw people who were alive because of what he had done 50 years earlier. Later on, someone asked Nicholas why he did what he did when everyone else did nothing at all. He answered that his motto has always been, if something is not impossible, then there must be a way to do it. While most people during that time period threw up their hands and said, I'm only one person, what can I possibly do? Nicholas said, if it's possible, I'll find a way. And because of that, thousands of people descended from the 669 children that he saved are alive today. When we look at what people like Nicholas Winton, Oscar Schindler, or any other individual who managed to save many lives or do other amazing things, it's easy to think that we could never do what they did. But the truth is that we could never know as long as we haven't tried. Ultimately, our ability to make a big difference in the world doesn't come from the strength of our abilities or our influence. Our power comes from the strength of our yes our willingness to do our best to help others, our willingness to say yes to God when he calls upon us to do something or when he shows us a problem and asks us to help solve it. Every one of us can do amazing things if we're willing to try. Whether you are an Esther in a position of influence or David with nothing more than a slingshot in the face of a giant, if we are willing to do what we can in the name of God, we can make a huge difference in the world. Sometimes the smallest actions just by one person have huge ripple effects that can change the world for generations for the better. And sometimes great things happen when one person joins another person and another and another so that the power of each individual combines to create an incredibly powerful force for the good. I see this power every day in the amazing work of the fellowship. It didn't exist during the Holocaust. The Jewish people didn't have Christian friends from around the world who came together to join forces to save lives. But thank God now we do. And we're seeing firsthand how that is making a massive difference today. In the last two months alone, we have saved thousands of Jews who have had to flee Ukraine. And we provided life-saving aid to those stuck in Ukraine while bombs were falling all around them. Many of them are even Holocaust survivors who we've helped. Having such a large impact is a group effort. We can't do it alone. But it all comes down to the power of each individual, the power of one person committed to saving lives. The Holocaust brought about the greatest amount of death that the world has ever seen. But we can look back on it and learn about the value of life. Like Oscar Schindler, we can recognize the value of each and every life. We can make saving lives a priority and do our part to ensure the safety and well-being of all of God's children. And we can extend our value of human life to how we treat all people, treating every person with dignity, care, kindness, 
that every single person deserves. And like Nicholas Winton, we can recognize our ability to do more than we might think we are capable of doing to help people in need. Instead of throwing up our hands and thinking there is nothing we can do, we need to set up our hands to work at what we can do. And I believe that with God's help, we can accomplish more than we ever thought was possible. My father, Rabbi Echiel Eckstein of Blessed Memory, always said at this time of year that memory without action is meaningless. It's not enough to say, never forget. We need to follow that up with meaningful actions. So let's learn from the past and let's let it influence our lives today. Let's value every life and extend ourselves to help those in need. There's no better tribute to the six million who died in the Holocaust. May our lives honor them and may their memory be a blessing. Deuteronomy 30.19 tells us to choose life. We can fulfill this directive by saving lives, by valuing life, and by doing all we can to preserve life. This week, let's help people whose physical lives or emotional well-being are at risk. How might you help just one person in need? How might you help people in danger around the world? Can you partner with a charity? Is there something that you can do on your own? You may be just one person, but it is in you. You have the power to help save another person. And by doing that, you will have saved an entire world. Shavua Tov, my friends. Have a wonderful week from here in the Holy Land. Thank you for listening to the Nourish Your Biblical Roots podcast. If you like what you have heard, visit me at mybiblicalroots.org for more of my teachings, videos, blogs, and books. You can also follow me on Instagram at yael underscore Eckstein or on Facebook at yael Eckstein. Shalom and see you next week.